Welcome to Unstruck Sound, your space to be. Hello, I hope you've enjoyed your week. I took a longer bit of a break than I anticipated due to some Eustachian tube dysfunction, which is like living under the ocean, complete with the dim lights that are the wintry gray skies of the Pacific Northwest, minus the colorful creatures that would otherwise inhabit this space with me. In speaking of inhabiting this space with me, this morning I woke up determined to find the anthropology of turquoise. I knew I had it lying around somewhere. It is probably the most, it is definitely the most worn in book I own. It has been on many trips and one of the more delectable slow reads that I've had over the last couple of years. And the passage I was really kind of stuck on this morning has to do with color surprising. I could read this whole book. It is beautiful, y'all. But for this morning, I thought I would focus in on a little snippet from the very first chapter, kind of digging into colors and the way this author can paint the scenery is unlike any other. So with this in the setting, she's going out uh, to a ridge to paint and she has watercolor days and finger painting and crayon days and on crayon days to quote the book. Orange is like a man convinced of his own powers, wrote Russian painter Vasily Kandinsky in his 1912 meditation on the spiritual in art. On crayon days, I have trouble with orange for its highway cone authority, its cheese whiz intrusion. I am nervous about yellow, the preferred color of mental patients who regress to infantile levels. Raw umber seems overly shadowy, dutifully verging on paranoia. As a child, I never liked raw umber. One of my brothers said it was poop, but we needed it to color the underside of Daffy Duck's feet. In today's box, there are still those vain pinks, hungry greens and crayons as blue as devotion. The power of profound meaning is blue, said Kandinsky. Blue is the concentric motion. Of red, he wrote, red rings inwardly with a determined and powerful intensity. It glows in itself maturely and does not distribute its vigor aimlessly. The red I choose is the closest in color to the eyes of a goshawk. The slender crayons and the round pans of paint in the watercolor tin scatter unlikely chips of pigment on the cream-colored sandstone. The ridge bears the palette of a numb moon. The winter sun's low arc casts ebony shadows of me in the juniper tree, whose shaggy silver bark holds up rough-needled canopy of brassy green. I place a scarlet crayon on a patch of aquamarine lichen on the slick rock. Not far from my post, a large pothole cups a catchment of autumn rains. The pool of water is emerald in the shade, a lapis sky mirror in the sun. In it grow blonde spears of dried cattails, and on its rim a spiky cluster of prickly pear cactus, odd marsh and desert bedfellows in a miniature garden. Do not think of a cactus acting like a cactus, with its apple green paddles and white spines. In winter, the prickly pear hallucinates. Its spines glow red gold in the angled sun, like an electrocuted aura. The paddles are nearly the colander. The paddles are nearly the color of burgundy wine. 
You would think that these rich colors reside in the thing itself, that the cactus, the crayons, the lichen have their colors. But colors are not possessions. They are the intimate revelations of an energy field. Colors are the deeds and sufferings of light, wrote German poet and dramatist Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. They are light waves with mathematically precise lengths, and they are deep, resonant mysteries with boundless subjectivity. Colors challenge language to encompass them. They cannot. There are more sensations than words for them. Our eyes are far ahead of our tongues. Colors bear the metaphors of entire cultures. They convey every sensation from lust to distress. They glow fluorescent on the flanks of a fish out of the water, then flee at its death. They mark the land of a woman deity who controls the soft desert rain. Flowers use colors ruthlessly for sex. Moths steal them from their surroundings and disappear. An octopus communicates by color. An octopus blush is language. Humans imbibe colors as antidotes to emotional monotony. Our lives, when we pay attention to light, compel us to empathy with color. Oh, thank you so much for letting me share that. Uh, Again, that was the Anthropology of Turquoise, Reflections on Desert, Sea, Stone, and Sky by Ellen Malloy. And as always, I will leave a link in the show notes so you can check it out in its entirety. Thank you for making some space with me today to explore color. And I would love to hear what this opens for you. For more information on anything in this episode, please see the show notes. And if anything struck a chord, I would love to hear from you. Until next time, here's to being. Being.